Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. We are in the book of Revelation, and we're going to cover a topic that we discussed briefly yesterday, just reading, and we said that we would be taking up this topic today. This may or may not be completed in one episode. It may be two episodes that we have to devote to this to give it its full weight. But we want to take up this topic in Revelation chapter 4 of the 24 elders and the 24 thrones that they sit upon. So let's begin by reading Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. After these things I looked. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God." We're going to stop there again for today, and we're going to discuss this topic of these 24 thrones and these 24 elders that are sitting there in hopes to bring some clarity to this point. And as I've mentioned before, from this point forward through the end of the book of Revelation, there is much that Scripture tells us about this, But these are all still future events. Therefore, all details as to time, place, way these will be fulfilled, things of that sort, we cannot always know every minute detail. God has revealed certain things to us, and from those we gather the best information we can and make the best determinations that we can from the meaning by letting Scripture interpret Scripture, and yet we must also have respect for one another because there may be differing opinions. So we want to hold to that for the rest of this book. I would encourage you again, always in this study, be like the Bereans and study these things for yourself. It is my goal to present to you the best biblical teaching and understanding that is based in the scripture, but I certainly encourage you, study yourself to show yourself approved, as we are told in the New Testament. And so with that, I want to move forward into this topic today. Remember that we are now transitioned from the previous chapters that give us chapters 2 and 3, the church age. Now we are moved into the time of the future events. We believe 
that verse 4-1 is one of many scriptures that support the rapture of the church. We recognize that the church is not mentioned again anywhere in the book of Revelation until we get to Revelation chapter 19. And then she is called what Paul dubbed her, the bride of Christ. We see God on the throne and remember he is on the throne of grace according to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Praise be to God that this holy God, this glorious God on this glorious throne that we just discussed yesterday in some detail is sitting on a throne of grace for you and me. And he encourages us that are born again of the spirit of the living God covered by the blood of Jesus, saved and justified in his sight, we can come boldly to this glorious throne and obtain the mercy and grace that we need in our time of need. Praise be to God. Now, in regard to a pre-tribulation rapture, I just want to point this out. Chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation, I believe, give us three key things that also prove that point from Scripture, and one of those is the topic for today. I also believe that there is an additional one coming that we will see as well. I mentioned it a moment ago, how the church is used 13 times in the book of Revelation, and all but one of them is found in Revelations chapters 1 through 3. You do not see the church called the church again until the closing remarks in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. And Jesus then gives instructions for the church for this day while we await the coming day when we will have our wedding as his bride in Revelation chapter 19. So let's look at these 24 elders and these 24 thrones. Now, in the last episode, we looked at scriptures from the Old Testament that spoke of those who had been able to join John and see the throne of God and see God. And there was a progression of revelation in that Old Testament example. For instance, Moses saw a glimpse of God on the throne, as did Micah. And Micah mentions the hosts that were on his right hand and on his left. And so Micah sees a glimpse, and he gives us brief details. Isaiah sees the Lord, has a little bit of a fuller revelation, but still does not see any additional thrones. Ezekiel also has a fuller revelation of the throne and of God's glory, but also does not mention any additional thrones. Daniel in the Old Testament received the fullest revelation of those from the Old Testament. And I want to look again at Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, Daniel writes this, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. In other words, he took his seat. 
His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. So Daniel is the first one that seems to indicate to us that he realizes and sees additional thrones in and amongst the throne of God, and that there is a court or a tribunal, a panel of judges, a panel of jury, etc., that are seated on additional thrones. So Daniel does give us some additional details. He tells us that there's a court that is seated on these other thrones. These would be judges or some type of tribunal for judgment is what it's talking about. Perhaps similarly to perhaps a jury that we might think of in our day. A court of judges that are going to be given authority or given some degree of share in the rendering of some form of judgment and sentencing. It reminds us somewhat of the Jewish Sanhedrin. Daniel got a glimpse forward into this courtroom scene and these other judges and other seats. Because of the topic and the time period that is discussed in Daniel chapter 7 through 12, Daniel is now in the portion of his book where he is speaking into future events, and he is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament that do speak forward and give us great details into the coming things that John then reveals later in the book of Revelation. So, for instance, in Daniel's vision here and what he's recording for us, if we go on down to verses 13 and 14, he writes this, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So Daniel is speaking prophetically here about later in Revelation what we will read about with the Messiah coming in his kingdom. He's given authority. He's given his dominion. He is given his kingdom by the Ancient of Days, God the Father sitting on that glorious throne we looked at the other day. So Daniel's time frame for the writing of this chapter and the rest of his book is prophetically speaking into the day that John is telling us about. So Daniel is the first prophet in the Old Testament that speaks of these additional thrones that John now comes and speaks of again. So what are these thrones and what is this court that is seated that Daniel's told us about that John is now developing 
in regard to these 24 elders seated on these thrones. So let's look. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 tell us quite a bit about these 24 elders. And so we're going to discuss more of this as we look at the rest of chapters 4 and 5. But let's consider these introductory things and try to find out if the Bible tells us more about who they are or what they represent, what their purpose is, etc. So first of all, we know that there are 24 elders. The Bible's very clear. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to question things. I think God means what he says and says what he means. It's very, very clear. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So there are 24 of these. The location, they are located around God's throne. They are encircling in some way or all around in some form of a circle around God's throne. There is the number specified of them being 24. They are called elders sitting on each throne. An elder or leader in the church, perhaps similar to perhaps what the Old Testament and the time of Jesus' day held with the 70 elders and the Sanhedrin. Their garment is white robes. And when we look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8, we are told what the white robes are. It is the righteous acts of the saints that we are clothed with in heaven. We are granted to have that in heaven, which also speaks of the bride. They have crowns of gold or wreaths or chaplets of gold. And the New Testament, when we connect the New Testament to this, it indicates that these would be rewards, rewards of some kind, crowns of gold. We are told about several types of crowns that are part of God's rewards to his faithful servants. Now, as we look at the rest of chapters four and five, we will look at more information and we will see more about the interaction with these in future verses and chapters and future coming episodes. But let's today introduce the players, so to speak, and the scene, so to speak. When you're thinking in terms of like, for instance, a drama stage play, then your actors, the cast, would be considered the players, and the scene or the stage, the setup would be the scene that we're talking about. So who are they? Why are they there? What's their purpose? So let's consider first the why and the purpose. And I want to do that by going back to the original time when elders were established to assist the leader of Israel, and that was in Exodus chapter 18. In Exodus chapter 18, I want to read beginning in verse 12. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, 
they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk, and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. I love this because it ties so perfectly with these 24 elders. It gives us the purpose it gives us some of the qualifications that that God wanted established in the people that would be chosen to lead, why they were chosen, how they were to help and to assist in the rulership, in the oversight, in the management. And so this gives us a good pattern for these leaders. And so out of this, we find out that Moses chose 70 and it became the basis and the pattern for the Jewish Sanhedrin. So these were the original elders and the pattern for it. They had to be chosen by Moses, and they had to be able men who fear God and love truth and hate covetousness. And their purpose was to assist in management and oversight of the people. They were to assist Moses. They were to help judge or discern or decide certain cases and give wisdom from God. They were to teach the people God's laws and statutes. So this gives us a hint at some co-ruling. This gives us a pattern for that co-ruling, that ability to assist in the ruling and in the oversight and management of the people of God. We also see this hinted at by 
the writer of Psalm 122. Psalm 122 is a short psalm, and it's written by David. It's one of the songs of ascent that they would sing on their way to the temple when they were called upon for the three annual feasts where they all had to come to Jerusalem. And it says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. So we're seeing here another hint toward thrones and some additional co-rulership or co-management, co-administration over the people. And this is a hint of something that will come later. This clearly is a hint toward the millennial reign of Christ for sure. It's confirmed in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, which says this, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So we see some fulfillment of this hint from Psalm 122 of the timing when these thrones will be occupied by certain individuals and there will be a co-reigning in the judgment that has been committed to them. Here again, we're not adding to the scriptures, we're letting the scriptures interpret themselves. Then we see a prophecy given by Jesus himself in Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, we read these words beginning in verse 28. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So here we have Jesus himself prophesying to the disciples at his last Passover Seder with them that they will be sitting on thrones in his kingdom and judgment will be committed to them and they will be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Notice that 12 is mentioned here. Although we know that one disciple betrayed the Lord, Judas, however, he was replaced. So in Acts chapter 1, we find out about his replacement. And that very likely is the 12th disciple that would be sitting on this 12th throne. Or some might think it's the Apostle Paul. But we do see Peter 
replacing Judas in Acts chapter 1. So who are these 24 elders? Because of the space of time that it will take for me to really help you understand from Scripture, foundational Scriptures and bases for who these perhaps are, and from the Scriptures have an understanding of who they are, let's pick that up in the next episode. So today, we want to just recap. We've looked at these 24 elders, the 24 thrones. We have seen the establishment of those from the earlier scriptures, how God has built up and proven and confirmed from other scripture passages about these thrones, and we've considered their primary purpose from Exodus chapter 18 and other places. And so I pray that this has been a blessing to you in some introductory understanding of these 24 elders and these 24 thrones. And in the next episode, we will address who they are, what we can glean from Scripture that tells us who they are or what they represent. So I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.